here on a Friday. Mondays, Wednesdays, and Fridays all summer long. I'm Eddie Kalegi, Arnav Sarkar with us in studio, Tyler Levy, and Jake Maestel, his final edition of the WRC crew today, a graduating senior. So glad to have him along. Our show's going to be cut a little bit short today at 545 because we'll have coverage of Rutgers baseball's season op- uh, series opener against Illinois final home series of the season for them Tyler and Ellis Gordon will have the call of that starting at 545 and I believe you will have the call Eddie on our vision I will not have the call I will be directing oh, but I will directing. I will be there and so will David Palumbo um, but someone it's a, it's a whole WRSU mashup there yes yes it'll be a big game uh, Rutgers Took care of business against Penn State last weekend, dominated them, held the Nittany Lions lineup silent. Now they face Illinois, who's trying to make it into the Big Ten tournament. Potentially, Rutgers trying to shore up their spot. They've got two series left, home against Illinois at Minnesota. But Alex Carminati had the chance to speak with Christian Coppola, the reigning Big Ten freshman of the week. He has been dominant on the mound and is the projected starter for today. He's pitched well in Big Ten play, and Alex asked him about where Rutgers is right now, the accomplishment for him, and as the Scarlet Knights look ahead to maybe making it to the NCAA tournament. So we'll air that audio for you now. In his last two outings on Friday Night Baseball, Christian Coppola has been a crown jewel for the Scarlet Knights. Against the likes of Michigan and Penn State, the freshman right-hander from Galloway, New Jersey, has put on historic efforts, leading to two Big Ten Pitcher of the Week awards and a NCAA Pitcher of the Week award back in April. Against Michigan on April 14th, the freshman dueled in eight strong innings, allowing no runs and five hits while striking out 12 batters. Against Penn State this past weekend on May 5th, the freshman did it again. Against State College's squad, the freshman had one run allowed and four hits allowed, but struck out 13 batters in seven strong innings. Coppola in his last two home games has allowed one run in 15 innings while striking out 25 total batters. His efforts has brought him a lot of success, where he looks to go at it again on Friday night versus the Illinois Fighting Illini. Coppola, for a third straight time on Friday Night Baseball, looks to make a third time's a charm in favor of the Scarlet Knights. Christian Coppola previewed the matchup and took a look into what's at stake for him and Rutgers this weekend versus the Fighting Illini. Nonetheless, here's my conversation with the freshman right-hander and the two-time Big Ten Pitcher of the Week, Christian Coppola, only here on WRSU-FM, New Brunswick. Christian, how are you? Thanks so much for your time. I'm doing good. Thanks for having me back on. Well, Christian, you know, again, you know, you've been lights out, rock solid, you know, the past few times at Batonfield, especially, where in your last two home starts versus Michigan on the 14th of April and on the 5th of May versus Penn State, shutout innings after shutout innings, one run allowed, 25 Ks, and you've won Big Ten Pitcher of the Week awards for those two wins. How have you been able to have been so dominant in your last two home starts in Piscataway? Yeah, I mean, it's a, you know, these new lights and the video board brought a new, like, kind of atmosphere to the field, and it's kind of, it's electrifying. It just gets me going every time I step out there on the mound. It's just the, the kind of an energy that the team brings and the fans bring, and uh, I don't know, it just gets me fired up, makes me want to pitch better for the fans. Well, you know, I mean, again, those last two times you've been at home, shutout ball versus Michigan in eight innings, seven strong, one run allowed versus Penn State, but you still have 13 Ks in an 8-1 victory. I mean, you know, your pitching has gotten Rutgers these massive wins the past few weeks. How have you just been so locked in, you know, game in and game out versus these two opponents? I mean, I've been just kind of been trusting our game plan to, like, get ground outs, you know, keep pitching to ground 
strikeouts, and then if I get in a situation to go for the strikeouts, then I'm gonna go for it because I have I have the ability to do that. And um, you know, I'm always trusting my defense behind me that if the ball does go into play, they're gonna make excellent plays. And we saw in the Penn State game. I mean, there's excellent plays all over the field. So you're coming off that series sweep versus Penn State this past weekend. Rutgers has been strong at home. Penn State comes on the road this past weekend with only two road wins on the entire season, and that played a role in how they got swept by you guys. So how was your, you know, your start back on the fifth, just an opening of what you guys did in order to beat Penn State and sweep a big series to kick off May? Yeah, I mean, obviously we have a Big Ten tournament aspirations, but we have regional aspirations too. So, I mean, if we're going to make a regional, we need to we need to win a lot of games from here on out, and it, it started with that series, uh, and that sweep was critical. So I knew I had to go out there and uh, you know do my thing, do what I know I can. And, uh, we had to start with game one and just play nine innings at a time. Those last two wins you've had at home, they've been crucial, you know, victories for any series win, and really has been a big turning point in the second half of the year. Where in Big Ten play, it wasn't a best start, but your start versus Michigan in that 13-0 win led to a series win versus the defending Big Ten champs. Fast forward a few weeks later, of course, you swept Penn State this past weekend. So you've been, you know, the main glue you know, defensively, especially as to how Rutgers has been able to win these big series in conference. I mean, you know, I've asked how special you've been, but, you know, when it comes to the run support you're getting, how does your pitching just give this team the juice, the excitement, the, you know, competition level, the confidence, really, to get these big series wins and turn the ship around like you have these past few weeks in the season? Yeah, so, I mean, like you said, it goes both ways. I mean, with, like, run support and going out there and pitching, I mean, I have to go out there, uh, give a couple of strong innings, and I know my bat, the bats on that lineup are gonna they're gonna hit when uh, when they're called to hit. So they put up runs early every game that I pitched, and um, it's just from there on out. I know it's my job to go out there and shut it down. And you know that's that's just kind of the, the motto for this team. I mean, we're a big hitting team and we're a big defensive team. Now it's my job to step up and do the pitching. You know, you you have four wins in your freshman campaign this year. Three of them have been some of the biggest wins of the season. Of course, one of the big wins versus Georgia Southern in that sweep back in March, the 13-0 win versus Michigan, and then the uh, recent 8-1 win versus Penn State on the 5th of May. You know, your starts have been so crucial into getting Rutgers in the big situations to win big ball games early, middle, and later in the season. How have you been able to stand out so early as a freshman and really dominate in big ways for this team? Um, I think my development since coming here, I mean, the coaches put me in a great situation, uh, you know, with Owens and Monahan. They've been uh, they've been crucial in my development and uh, just teaching me how to pitch at the next level and making they made the adjustment from high school baseball to college baseball smoother than I had expected. So, I mean, it, it's been challenging, but it hasn't been uh, nearly as hard as I thought it was going to be. Like I also, I mean, I have a lot of guidance on the, the people that do come in. I mean, the people, the veterans on this team, they, they guide me. They know what they're doing. They've been here for four years, some of them. And, uh, you know, it, I think it's, uh, I think they motivate me to be better. And I think I motivate them. You know, they, they see a freshman goes out there and, uh, you know, does his thing. And I think it motivates everyone else. Like, wow, I could, I could really step up. And uh, I think everybody has. I think guys have recently, our pitching has been, so much better. And, you know, you know, not only have you been successful, but when you have struggled, you've bounced back in remarkable ways. Some of the starts I mentioned already are just prime examples of that. So when you do fall short, how do you rise back up to take charge? I just really have to trust my process. I know, uh, I mean, it's, baseball is such a random game sometimes. I, uh, I think some of the time, I know, like, the stuff I'm doing wrong when I'm, uh, 
in, in between weeks to go out and uh, kind of forget it, at the, but at the same time, like, build off of it, like, realize what he did wrong, fix it, and then come back the next week even stronger. You know, you take the things you did right, and you take the things you did wrong, and keep the things you did right, and you throw away the things you did wrong. So, uh, it's, um, it's all with the coaching, too. Two Big Ten Pitcher of the Week awards, National Pitcher of the Week award back in April, 61 strikeouts in your freshman campaign. First off, that's remarkable when you, you know, you think of that when those stats are being mentioned and you see a freshman getting there and have these remarkable, you know, high expectations and achievements already in only their first year in college baseball. What does that say about your landscape this year? And how does that summarize the true success you've been having so far in your freshman campaign? Um, it's honestly, I I couldn't have, uh, imagined this myself. You know, I was out of high school. I wasn't extremely highly recruited. And, uh, I think, um, I don't, I didn't think I had this high of expectations for myself, even myself, but, um, you know, they gave me an opportunity and, uh, I I think I just had to, I, I saw it in my vision. I had to run away with it. You know, Todd Frazier in last year's great run for Rutgers talked about how kids from New Jersey should be staying home to play at Rutgers. And Christian, you're from New Jersey. You chose to stay home. You're playing at Rutgers now and you're succeeding. How is that statement just a reality of not just your story, but many other stories for many players for this program? I mean, I, you know, I, uh, like I said, I didn't have many offers. I think Rutgers was by far my best offer to uh, play college baseball and for good reason. I think we could we're easily one of the top teams in the country and one of the top programs in the country. And, uh, you know, you don't come here, you don't come here for the, the glamorous stuff. You come here to win. And, uh, that's, that's mainly what I wanted to do. So and that's what I, I think everyone on this team is looking to do. And I think if you want to win, you come to Rutgers. And, you know, that culture, that mentality has been driven in by Steve Owens in his fourth season uh, with Rutgers. How would you describe, you know, his impact very early on with his, uh, you know, career with the Scarlet Knights? And how has he been able to build such a winning formula already in not even five full seasons? Yeah, you know, he's, he's a stern coach, and uh, he's going he's gonna to let you know if he doesn't like what you're doing. But that's what that's part of what makes him a great coach. I mean, that's, that's how you learn. Um he has a unique way of going about things, and uh, some people don't exactly have that kind of mindset. But people in New Jersey, I think he's I think he's perfect for people in New Jersey because we have that kind of mindset that that gritty will do all it takes to win, and uh, I think that's what he wants. That's what we want, and I think as a team, we all agree and we're all on the same page as to what we need to do to get it done. You know, you know that gritty mindset, that grit mentality has been seen not not just by Rutgers baseball, but by really all, if not a majority, of Rutgers sports teams here on the banks. What is that gritty mentality, and how does that produce to the success a lot of programs have been having the past few seasons? Yeah, I mean, it's New Jersey. We get, get a lot of hate, so I mean, we have to we have to prove what uh, what we're all about, and I think a, a great way to do that is athletics. I mean. You see all these all these teams. Men's soccer had great success in the fall, uh, and we're looking to do something here in the spring. And I think it's a uh, it just means it means a lot more to us than it means to some people. I think. 
And, you know, again, you know, you being from Jersey, so many athletes in Rutgers in general, you know, being from the Garden State, it shows a lot of pride that these players wear on their sleeves when playing for Rutgers, when playing for the state school in New Jersey, and how they've been able to succeed in some of the highest, you know, ways uh, possible in their times with the Skull and Knights. Uh, Christian, you know, back to this Rutgers baseball team where you're coming off the sweep versus Penn State this weekend. You start the series versus the Fighting Illini on uh, Friday, Saturday, Sunday. You're starting on Friday. Friday versus the Fighting Illini. Can we expect some of the same stuff we've been seeing these last two games? And if so, how can you further build upon your success on the banks, especially when you play at Baton Field? I mean, let's, let's sure hope so. I'll have the same success. Uh, obviously, these are these are must-win games at this point. Um, you know, we're, we're pushing for a we're pushing for a Big Ten title here, and uh, I think it just starts with one game at a time, so I have to go out there on Friday night and I have to do my thing. We're, we're, we're in a great position to win these games. Uh, I think the team is ready. The team's energized. We're coming off a great series with Penn State, and we're getting a little bit rowdy. We're getting ready for this, uh, this weekend series against Illinois, and I think we're ready to win it. You've had about four or five days of full rest. How has that, you know, really rejuvenated this team and, you know, getting ready for this new series this weekend? You're starting Friday night. You'll get the ball rolling back-to-back times at Baton Field. Historic efforts by you. Looking for a third time to charm start versus the Fighting Illini of Illinois, where Christian Coppola, his last two home starts on Friday nights at, at Baton Field. Combined 15 innings of strong work, one run allowed, nine hits allowed, 25 strikeouts. And the way he's been able to do it, it's led to big series wins for Rutgers against Michigan and Penn State this year in Piscataway. Christian Coppola, again, you know, this this series coming up, and then Minnesota on the road next weekend to end the regular season. Take me through the next week and, and preview it for me in one word. And, you know, with how electric it could be versus the Fighting Illini and versus the Golden Gophers next weekend in Minneapolis, how can these last two series just be a preview of what you look to do come postseason time? Yeah, I mean, these are these are, these are obviously winnable uh, series, and I think this team is just, we're getting on a roll now, and I think we're going to be a really scary team to see in this Big Ten tournament coming up. We'll see where it all goes. Christian Coppola and Rutgers Baseball again set for another weekend series on the banks at Baton Field. Coppola starts Friday night versus the Fighting Illini, where he's had some historic gems in his last two outings on the banks of the old Raritan. Christian Coppola, that freshman, multi-time Big Ten Pitcher of the Week, once also a NCAA Pitcher of the Week, rolling on in with the Skull Knights for another big Big Ten series this weekend in New Jersey. Christian Coppola, thanks so much for your time today. Well, this should be a fun series for sure. Rutgers has won 14 of their last 17 games, and we talked about this when Big Ten play first started. It was sort of front-loaded for Rutgers. They had to play Michigan State, who have a dynamic lineup this year, and they had to go to Maryland early on in Big Ten play. But four of their last five series are against four of the bottom five teams in the conference. So these are winnable games. They took advantage against Penn State. They struggled against Purdue, but now they have Illinois and Minnesota in their last six games and are really looking to make a statement because right now they only have 18 losses, and as much as they struggled to start the year – 
They're only three losses more than they had all of last season. So as much as the start of this year in February and March wasn't great, they're not too far out of the position of where they were a year ago when Steve Owens took them to a historic season. And Coppola's pitching is going to be important tonight as Rutgers plays for the first time in five days. They've had some nice rest since Sunday. Tyler, I'll go to you first since you'll be calling the game for us with Ellis Gordon in about 90 minutes. Congrats, by the way, your first uh, baseball call for us. But looking ahead to this one, uh, Rutgers, we know they've started to hit the ball really well. Chris Brito just set the home run record. And on the mound, the combination of Coppola, Conover, they've been really reliable over the last month. They've been spectacular. Uh, As you mentioned, Chris Brito, his 43rd career home run, passing MLB Home Run Derby champion Todd Frazier in the process, most career home runs by a Scarlet Knight. Uh, tonight, I think you're going to expect greatness on the mound again from Christian Coppola, the 6'5 freshman. I mean, that that's big, first of all, 6'5", 230. I mean, he's a big kid, freshman from Galloway, New Jersey. Uh, 3.29 ERA on the season, 4-4 four and four in 10 games started, 61 strikeouts, in 52 innings pitched. So he's really been pitching very well. But as you mentioned, it's the last two starts for him that really stand out. Last weekend against Penn State on Friday night in an 8-1 victory, he was absolutely lights out on the mound. And and this was his second great start in a row. Had a great start beforehand. But when you're looking at what he was able to do, in the last start, seven innings pitched, four hits, one runs, two walks, 13 strikeouts uh, on 103 pitches in the win. And that's just stellar performance from a pitcher that, you know, this is Rutgers pitching staff that wasn't that great last year. The bats really carried them through the season and they're one of the most explosive offenses in the country. But when you look at it and you know, when the pitching is there and the bats are there, which is what you're starting to see during this five-game winning streak. I mean, when you look at what they did to Penn State, 8-1 on Friday, 10-0 on Saturday, and 8-2 on Sunday in the sweep, that's what you want. You're putting up a lot of runs. The pitching staff is holding your opponent to just a couple runs a game, and you're putting yourself into great positions to win ball games. and I expect to see that against Illinois and even Minnesota as they end the season. And the other thing, too, they have played in some close games. Penn State, they rolled over them last weekend, but, Jake, this team also knows the clutch factor. You called that game against Princeton last week where they came back from, I believe, three deficits and rallied for a walk-off win. So the offense is really starting to come together, and the veteran combo of Lasco and Burrito have really been clutching up when it matters most. Yeah, and it's really nice to see. uh, I want to start with this. It's really nice to see Chris Burrito really starting to get back into his own. He was so great last year, and he came into the first half of the season just really, really cold. You hate to see a good hitter go through a slump like that, but he's really come back into his own. He's really been hitting well. Obviously played a big part in the walk-off last week. Um, I I think the main thing that we saw from that Princeton game is that they – these guys are never really out of it. They're never really out of a game. They believe that even when they're down, they can find a way to come back into the game no matter how many times they go down in the game. Um, I think the main thing is that you don't want to have to rely on that because obviously you know, if your pitching's not do- go- doing well and the other team's pitcher is great, well, it doesn't really matter 
how much you believe in your offense, you're not going to be able to come back from a deficit of, you know, down 12 probably. But I think with the way the offense has been churning lately, it, it seems like they've been able to take advantage of of bad pit pitchers and even get the jump on some good pitchers. My main concern for the Scarlet Knights, and this is not about Coppola, Christian Coppola, because I think he's been doing really well, but this is more about the start, the Scarlet Knights pitching staff as a whole. I'm a little concerned about their pitching going forward against some of the really good teams. Let's say they make the Big Ten tournament. Is their pitching going to be able to hold up? That's what I don't know. I believe in their offense, but they they really only have a few pitchers in their stable that I can really say I feel comfortable they're going to get the job done nine times out of ten. Yeah, and I feel like that's the same problem they had last year too because two straight years where they've had so much turnover in their pitching staff, but we have seen Conover step up. He had that huge uh, seven shutout innings against Penn State. Of course, Capola's been great. It really all started with that Michigan series where Rutgers took it to another level. My one concern that I will throw to the table, so you look at the Big Ten standings right now. This is why I'm a little worried about this weekend. Rutgers is third. They're 11-7. and seven. The Scarlet Knights should make it into the Big Ten tournament right now. The top eight go to Omaha. Illinois currently sits ninth. They are two games in the loss column back. So they need to take advantage. And what's especially notable is they have played one more Big Ten series already than any other team in the conference. So this is it for them in Big Ten play. This is the last statement they can have to set themselves up for Omaha because their last three games are against Tennessee Martin. So this is their last three games. They are going to be energized, Tyler, to really pick things up here against Rutgers. And we did see the Scarlet Knights struggle against teams that are right near Illinois in the standings. I mean, Michigan State and Purdue both took um, – I believe, a combined four of six from the Scarlet Knights. Absolutely, but when you look at Illinois, you know, they're on a three-game winning streak themselves. They swept Michigan State at home this past weekend. But when you're looking at the score, their offense, we really turned it on. 10-9 close win on Friday, 14-7 on Saturday, and 10-3 on Sunday. So they're really starting to pick it up offensively themselves. Uh, you know, even in the past series against Ohio State, you know they lost the first game ten to two, but they won seven nothing, and then they lost fifteen to nine, but they still put up nine runs. Obviously, the pitching staff not able to do their job as they allowed fifteen. And when you look at Rutgers, this is just a hot team. You know, they had that great comeback against Princeton. You know, on a five game winning streak. They were able to win that last game at Purdue to avoid the sweep, and then obviously, just completely demolishing Penn State over this past weekend. Rutgers has the pitching. Rutgers has the hitting. They have the hot streak. They're at home. And this game is just as important to Illinois as it is to Rutgers. But I think the difference is that Rutgers is on the inside already. There's a little bit of a bad taste in their mouth from how the Big Ten tournament went last year. Double elimination, and they blow all the way to the championship without getting a loss. But the championship is not double elimination. That's just one game. And they did not win that one game, which probably cost them their spot in the NCAA tournament, even though, and I think the general consensus is they got robbed anyway. They should have yep. made it. But they got robbed. Had they won that game, they're definitely in the Big Ten tournament. Excuse me, they're definitely in the NCAA tournament. They're really hot. The offense was clicking. The pitching really started to get better down the stretch late last season. And so I think this is a Rutgers team that is determined. They know 
that this is not the season that they had last year, even though record-wise it's not too far behind. But this is not the same season they had last year. It's not the historic season offensively they had last year. And they're really determined to get in, and they don't want to drop these games to a subpar Illinois team and hurt their chances anymore. They need to get the sweep. They need to keep the winning ways going. And they need to really stay hot going into the Big Ten tournament and hopefully make some noise there and complete the job they couldn't last year. Yeah, well, we'll find out. It all starts tonight uh, here on WRSU, 545, 6 o'clock first pitch. Tyler and Ellis Gordon have the call. Uh, Before we go to break, I just saw on Twitter some breaking news in the NFL world that we'll go to break with, which is ironic with what happened to both the Devils and the 76ers last night. Josh Harris, who is the owner of both of those teams, it is now officially official. They have signed the purchase and sale agreement. So Josh Harris is now the owner of the Washington Commanders per Adam Schefter. So that is now officially official. Wow. No more, no more take backs from Dan Snyder. So as of Adam Schefter at 416 in the last 10 minutes, it is officially official. Josh Harris has wow, replaced man. Dan Snyder as the, the owner of the Washington Commanders. The beast is gone. The beast of Washington is gone. I'm sure Joe Henry is somewhere. It's Jover. It, it, it's Jover. I'm sure our good friend Joe Henry is somewhere celebrating the streets, probably in the streets of Bayonne or wherever he is right now. Uh, He's in the streets of Washington celebrating, waving his shirt around over his head like a hooligan. (laughs) Congratulations to all the Commanders fans. No, seriously, I I am a fan of a rival team. Eddie, you are too, I know. But this is a huge deal. Dan Snyder was a terrible owner. And uh, I, I hope this doesn't change anything in terms of the team's performance. But in terms of just like the overall organization, this is really good news. Yeah, Arnoff, uh, well, I know you're a Devils fan, so you got to see that last mm. night. That didn't yeah, go well. But, uh, I mean, someone who at least has consistent success owning both an NBA and an NHL franchise, now coming over to an NFL team, that's probably pretty good. Yeah, I, I think so. And, like, Dan Snyder's just had a horrible record with all sorts of controversies with the fans and with the team and, like, all sorts of stuff. So it's it's great that, you know, they have an owner who's, who's competent and who's going to hopefully make the fans and the um, and the players um, much happier. So, again, breaking news, Josh Harris, officially the new owner of the Washington Commanders. Dan Snyder and his wife released a statement as well. So we're going to take a break. When the we... fact that he still has a wife. I know. I know. But you know what? Mm. Money talks. Money Money talks. That is true. That is very true. It is very true. But uh, we'll take a break, and uh, when we come back, we'll let you know some ways that maybe you could win some money with Locks of the Week. Our picks (laughs) coming up. Uh, When we come back on the other side of this break, Eddie Kalegi, Jake Maystel, Arnav Sarkar, Tyler Levy, you're listening to the WRSU crew. Locks of the Week here on a Friday on the WRSU crew. Eddie Kalegi with Arnav Sarkar, Tyler Levy, and Jake Maystel. We'll get Jake's final lock in a few minutes. So emotional. Tears will be shed. I know. Yes, a whole one of them. (laughs) But uh, Arnav will still be here for a couple of years, as will me and Tyler. So, Arnav, start us off. Give us your lock. Awesome. Um, Yeah. I usually do go first in locks and since Friday crew in the spring semester, so I'll continue that. Uh, I'm going to start with the NBA. So um, I'm going to go to Lakers-Warriors. 
I think the Lakers are going to close it out tonight in six. Uh, they have a 3-2 series lead. The Warriors won game five at home. It was definitely a good showing for a lot of their guys, Steph, Draymond, Clay. They're pretty much all, you know, making shots and doing what they do best. Even Andrew Wiggins has been like a big boost for, for the Warriors lately. But with that being said, the Lakers have overall been on like another level, I feel like. And that's that's why they go into L.A. with the 3-2 series lead and I think with LeBron James and Anthony Davis, um, Anthony Davis is going to be back tonight. Um, they're both playing well. They have a you know quite the supporting cast. Lonnie Walker has been playing better. They um Austin Reeves. I mean they they have like a pretty stacked team. So I, I think they're just gonna be able to use the home crowd and get the series win and move on to face not the Phoenix Suns, the Denver Nuggets in the Western Conference Finals. Yeah, it's kind of confusing with Anthony Davis because he goes from it not looking like a serious injury to him needing a wheelchair to get yeah, out of there, and now he's going to play. So mm. I, I don't know. That, that was weird. That was very weird. But uh, yeah, I'll, I'll save my Laker thoughts for a minute from now. Uh, Tyler, go ahead. What do you got for Lux? Well, for Lux, I'm going to look to baseball in the Bronx tonight. Yankees Rays. One of your nine teams. Thank you. Uh, Garrett Cole on the mound. Um, you know, spotting a 2.09 ERA with 58 strikeouts in 51.2 innings pitched this season. Uh, probably the most dominant pitcher in baseball this season. I don't think it's really that questionable. The Yankees were able to get their first sweep of the year against Oakland. Dropped the game last night. But I think that the Yankees, with Cole on the mound, will be able to strike enough offensively to get the win. The spread's only one, so I'm going to take the Yankees with the spread. But I'm going to take the under at 8.5. I'm going to take the under. I think it's a low-scoring game, but you got Judge back. Bader's on a tear. Jake Bowers, the kid they called up to play outfield in place of Stanton, has been hitting well alongside Willie Calhoun, who's been hot lately. Torres has been hot. LeMahieu has been hot. And so I think that with Cole on the mound Friday night in the Bronx against the best team in baseball, he shows up and the Yankees get a very close win in a low-scoring pitching duel. All right, so for me, this is actually the first time in exactly a month that I've been on a regular episode of Crew and done a lock because I was on Wednesdays, then we had the basketball game, the mock draft, a baseball game. So I'm back, and I'm ready to go here for an important lock, and it's related to Arnops, Lakers-Warriors. So for people who don't Lakers know. Lakers what? Lakers-Warriors. Great series. Warriors. Warriors? The Warriors. The Warriors. The Warriors. The Warriors? The Warriors. The Warriors. Mario, Wario, Luigi, all those guys. <laughs> um, so, basically, for those who do not know and are not users of TikTok, I am not a user of TikTok, but I am aware of this. There happens the to Nicole be... Legacy's not on TikTok? I am not. However... We I... need to see you hitting the Renegade or something. Well, I know TikTok trends. That's all that Can matters. Can we see a TikTok trend later? Sure, but this is radio. I can only do so much. I do know about the Corgi, though. So basically, there is this guy who has an adorable Corgi, and what he does, he has a little beach ball, and he sets up two little buckets on the bottom of his staircase, and he throws the beach ball up to the Corgi, who hits it on its nose and tries to knock it down, and it goes into one of the buckets, and then he uses that to predict playoff series in the NBA and the NHL. Uh, It's usually wrong. However, this Lakers-Warriors one, he predicted that the Lakers were going to win game one, Warriors would even it up, Lakers go up 3-1, and then... The Lakers choke it and the Warriors win in seven, which, of course, people freaked out on social media and were like, we swear if this actually happens, the Internet might break after what happened in 2016 when the Warriors choked the lead to LeBron. Well, guess what's happened? It's 3-1. Lakers lose game five. Now we're at game six here. 
I am going to trust the Corgi with my lock. I don't know what the line is here, but I don't care. Warriors are winning game six. Warriors are winning game seven. The internet will explode. LeBron will choke away a 3-1 lead, and the Warriors are going to the Western Conference Finals. Now, I have two things to say. Yes. It, the Corgi, in terms of picking the winner of the overall series, has had success. Yes. It has come to the individual games in which there's been an insuccess. Yes. Until now. I know. This is this is the magic one. This is what we've been building towards. And, the uh, and magic? Now have you seen, yes. Have you seen, uh, you've seen Seinfeld when Jerry goes, look to the cookie? Yeah. Look to the corgi, look Eddie. To the corgi. Look to the corgi. Yes. All of our problems will be solved. Just go Absolutely. To look to the corgi. Now, you know who we can go to to solve all our problems? Jake Maestel. One final time. Well, this this is uh, my lock will not involve any corgis. Although I do I do suggest that we always trust man's best friend because uh, dogs out are amazing. But that that is not my lock. I will instead be going to the world of hockey. And unfortunately, I I, I will have to fill in for one Alexander Carminati who cannot be here with us right now because he is unfortunately back in Massapequa, New York, on Long Island. So, uh, shout out to him. I'm going to be doing his bit for him. And here's the deal, folks. In 1994, Mark Messier and New York Rangers were down three games to two in the series, Eastern Conference Finals against the New Jersey Devils. Now, I'm sure you've probably heard this before. Mark Messier, when asked before the game, said, I guarantee we are going to win game six. What they do? They won game six. He had a hat trick. They take... Game 7, back to the Garden. What do they do? They win Game 7 on the Stanley Cup Finals where they face the Vancouver Canucks. They win 7 games, win Game 7 at the Garden. This one will last a lifetime. It sure has because they have not won since, unfortunately. <laughs> it's part of the bit. I got to do it. <laughs> uh, so, I guarantee, like Mark Messier guaranteed in 1994. And that's M-A-W-K yes, for those that's of you wondering. Mark Messier. Mark Messier back in 1994. Go ahead. I Carry guarantee, on. like Mark Messier guaranteed in 1994, that the Toronto Maple Leafs, God bless them, they finally made it to the second round. They will go no further. The, the Florida Panthers have been absolutely unbelievable. And they are going to take this series tonight in Toronto in five games. And we are going to have one of the most confusing Eastern Conference Finals of all time between the Carolina Hurricanes and the Florida Panthers. Every time I hear it, I feel like the team names should be swapped. <laughs> and now you explained this off the air. And now I understand because the Carolina Panthers and then Florida gets a lot of hurricanes. So good but, logic. But they got the Carolina Panthers in football and the Miami Hurricanes in college. And Miami is Florida. That is it, and the Florida Panthers play in Miami. They play they, in the same they arena. They play, they don't play sunrise. in Sunrise. They play in Sunrise. They play in Sunrise. They play in the same arena, right? Uh, no. 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 Not no. the same no. arena as the Heat. No, well, they play They play 40 miles up the road. Oh. They don't share an arena. But still, s still same well, thing. Okay. Florida gets hurricanes, and it would make sense. <laughs> now, I think the other thing we have to discuss here is I don't want to hear the excuse from the Coyotes anymore that, you know, Southern hockey doesn't work because the Tampa Bay Lightning have been a borderline dynasty, and now we're seeing both Florida and Carolina playing well. We've seen L.A. and San Jose and Anaheim go on deep runs before. The, the, the Stars Vegas. are on a run yeah, right now. there is no excuse why the, the Coyotes the, the shouldn't The Vegas be. Golden Knights made it all the way to the finals, their first year of existence. Yep. 
So the Coyotes are just and and like the Arizona State's hockey team is pretty good. Like it, it makes and they no get sense. more fans in that arena too. The, da- sure. the Dallas Stars have been a, a phenomenal hockey team over the last couple decades. All I'll say is unleash the Kraken. I yeah. I too am saying unleash the Kraken. I I would like to say go Leafs just because I have family up in Toronto. But let let's face it, uh, guys, it's over. It's Jover. I'm just disappointed. <laughs> You got the Knicks jersey on. I thought your last lock would be the Knicks Me winning too. six and seven. Uh I don't want to jinx it. Also, also. Uh, oh, but when I said that earlier in the group chat, there was a big deal. When I said I don't want to jinx anything, reverse psychology, there was a big deal about that. Well, you root for nine teams. It's confusing. Yeah, this, this man, this man Tyler over here, he roots for nine teams. I, I only root. I, and I, I only get root miserable. For four, so. And I'm and I live a very miserable life because of that. Well, that's that. That sounds like a skill issue to me. I'm sorry. <laughs> Sk- well, really, I mean, you got two teams on right now, and I root for both of them, so you must be pretty miserable most of the time. No, because they all made the playoffs. That's true. That is true. Yeah, that so why true. are you upset? <laughs> I mean, listen. Well, the- listen, I'm happy they made the playoffs, but once you're in the playoffs, the expectations of the season change into you move on to the next round. I'm very happy that the Islanders, the Rangers, and the Devils made the playoffs. Now, I'm disappointed in the Rangers because the expectation was make it to the Stanley Cup. You made it to the Eastern Conference Finals last year. So what was even going through your mind in Game 7 with the Devils and the Rangers? <laughs> like, but I, thought, I was just watching the game as a fan, and I thought the Rangers looked horrible. Fair I enough. thought they looked horrible. They did. They yeah. did. But they now, look- now listen, with the Devils, it was a 25-ish win turnaround, 49-point turnaround over the course of last year. They they played great, you know, and but just... Very disappointing in the second round. Extremely disappointing. They only played two good games the whole series. Otherwise, they got blown out, had to pull the goalie. It was nonsense. I'm happy they made the playoffs and moved on. But once you're in the playoffs, the expectations change. I was talking to this with Ellis and Joe on the Wednesday crew with the Knicks. It's great the Knicks made it to the second round. Nobody thought they had a chance to make it to the second round. But when you get Miami instead of Giannis and Milwaukee... The expectations change to, okay, we're the better team, and you got to win. And once you're in the playoffs, it's not like, okay, we made the playoffs with Don. It's, okay, we got a shot to compete. We're one of 16 teams you can compete. Let's go compete. Let's win a championship. And they blew games. Now, I mean, here's, here's what you got to understand. And and the, the Knicks have been my only basketball team because – Unlike in baseball, where we ha- we seem to have a confusion about me also rooting for the Phillies as well as the New York Yankees, uh, I do not root for any other basketball team. And I started rooting for the Knicks back in like the mid 2010s when they were just god awful, and they couldn't they couldn't sniff a play-in spot, let alone a playoff spot. But they were good in the early 2010s. No, I said the mid 2010s. Mid 2010s. Mid 2010s. Oh, so you started the following first, the first D Rose era. So, so you started following them after Carmelo. Yes. Uh, oh, that was a those, those are good days. Yeah, no, you you those, missed those the Linsanity run. Tim Hardaway Jr. Those are, those the Linsanity run. Yeah, was yeah. Tim magical. Hardaway being the best player on the team that was great. Remember that time when Mario Hazonia just like dunked on Giannis and stepped over him? Uh, do you remember the time yeah, where? Sure. Yeah, sure. Time because were, I totally saw that in, on TV in Pennsylvania. <laughs> they were they were playing Houston, and Eric Gordon goes for the layup. Spike Lee is doing the T pose. The referee falls, and instead of playing defense, Tim Hardaway Jr. just signals safe. The guy missed the open layup and gets the ball. That was prime New York Knicks right there. They, they, that, that was, they, and, and. And then they kicked Charles Oakley out. 
yeah, that was that was great. That was great. So th- so you have to understand. I'm just happy to see them here. I didn't even know they could do this. I didn't know they could be this good, because the Knicks I started watching looked like the most feeble basketball team on but, the planet. But you want to move on. You, there's no reason the Knicks cannot win these next two games. That's true. It's hard. I'm not that, saying it's that's easy. That's true. But if they lose, but if they these, can, if they, they can win in games, Miami. And if they win in Miami, why can they not win a game seven back home? I'm, I I agree with you, but I'm just saying if they lose, I'm not going to be too upset. About I have it. I'm I not going to be too upset, but you still got to be a little upset. Before <laughs> I before I depart, I do have something I have to say from uh, Jack Basaya. Yes, uh, a legend, a fellow outgoing senior like you. He just texted me. He's listening. He said, "Tell them that LeBron is winning tonight and is winning ring number five, so this next conversation is irrelevant." Ah. <laughs> uh, Hey, LeBron, don't you wish you came to the Knicks? (laughs) (laughs) That was for you, Jack. uh, Jack, you can can go on believing that when uh, the Warriors come back from down 3-1. Is that the love prediction, Eddie? Destroy the internet. Love prediction? Love prediction. Love prediction. Love prediction. Yes. Love prediction. All I have to say about Jack Bisset's love prediction is bing bong. That was great. Well, I got to head out because I got to go work the baseball game, but uh, the others will take you through the rest of the WRSU crew here on a Friday. Still a lot to talk about. I know the NFL schedule releases. Uh, Can we just talk?